installment of the Pinnacle Mindset talk show, which is our mental health talk show, where we discuss various different topics and get on various different guests to come and talk about these topics. Uh, tonight, uh, Nick is hosting. This is me. And Robbie is joining me tonight. It's my turn to sit in the hot seat. And Robbie, as I say, will be along as well. And today we want to welcome along uh, an amazing guest. We were just talking just off air, just very shortly. Um, introduce Danny Lingeri. Uh, Danny is a guy with a very, very sort of convoluted background, loads of different fingers in loads of different pies. Um, and I'm genuinely fascinated by some of the stuff he's going to talk about today. So Danny, welcome along tonight. Thanks so much for joining us. Good evening. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Cool. So I know we spoke just a little bit before, but if we can, if you can sort of just go into a little bit of background about yourself and just tell us a little bit about your experiences with mental health. So um, if you take my age into consideration. Um, my school year was the first year to do GCSEs in 1988. So you're expected to do well. It's a new course. You're looking at a guy that failed everything. Mental health collapse, I believe it was. It's like batting collapse. Um, I was supposed to be A's, B's and C's. I got U's in main subjects because I couldn't struggle. I struggled to deal with those end of term exams, which I look back at it now and thinking the stigma around the pressure was, oh, you're thick. The stigma. Um, and up to that time, I was dealing with bullying being the only one of the only colored kids in my school. So there was, it was coming in at all angles, expectation. But you don't think years after that, that it is a sign of a mental health illness, the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the spiral and what you do. Um, and as I got better at sport, it brought me through a lot of things. So um, you, you're talking 90s, late 90s, middle 2000s, the biggest issue was the expectation and conformity to be somebody different because I was playing professional rugby or professional basketball or professional football. It was expectation that really pulled me through stuff. The, the fear of looking stupid, the fear of um, failure. Did you put that pressure on yourself or was that imposed by other people, by standards? Uh, extrinsically, I believe massively, I think... Even with today, it's worse because of the conformity. I think worse because everyone will judge you. And it was expectation. And it wasn't on myself. I, I massively believe I put myself in those situations because I was good at things. Um, and I wanted to improve and I wanted to face it and do it. And the, the challenge was to stand up to it. But literally, I, I, I didn't fail, but I, I looked at it as a failure then suddenly you're judging yourself. Yeah. And it was, I, I, I take these things now and call it saying, you, you turn the losses you, you've learned into lessons. And, and that's how I've managed to sort of help others out, outside it. But you, you look from life separation, relationship crush, um, to being expected to deal with things because of being such a big guy. But I could win plenty of physical battles the mental ones I just constantly lost. I have a big phrase that I always say, the most secure hands to be left in were my own. And I always do this. That's the only time I felt comfortable. So in terms of obviously 30 years ago, we often talk about stigmas around in mental health now and we're still not quite there. Um, but 
you sort of said 30 years ago, what was the stigma around mental health then? Was it talked about? How was it sort of? It's, it, was, it was seen as, as um, some sort of diversity at the end of the day. You weren't, you weren't ill. You were just sick. You weren't clever. And, and you've been judged by everybody. Yeah. That's without social media. Um, and and you, you find solace in people that you trust. And then when you're around them, they're the ones piss-taking. And you, and you just like... Uh, and, and, and then you start judging yourself and doubting yourself. Um, many times I, as a child, I had the most amazing upbringing. But many times as a child, I was sat there I want to kill myself, I want to do it. And you just think, am I talking like a child, a kid again, when you, when you move 30 years forward? And you just think, what was I thinking of? What was I doing? Yeah. Why was I going up to Malvern on the tank quarry when I was 18 years old? Not thinking about swimming, thinking about jumping. And, it, and it's, it's frightening that you have those stupid thoughts because it was, you see it as an easy way out. Do you still see it like that now? When you look back, do you still see it as a silly thought, that sort of... Yeah, but the, the city thought gets judged. So I had to see my, my counsellor and my doctor this week. And the words they said was, we've reached a situation where we need a, 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 a higher level of care for you. And I was just like, what? And I was just like, because I didn't want to conform with having tablets. I didn't want to conform. And that. So I look back and think the pressure of the child, you know, it, I would have been a child, 17 years old, and the expectation on my shoulders of not meeting everybody else's expectations of passing exams. And, and it, it, it just, I look now, and this is why I work so much for kids. I get in trouble because I tell children, now ask your teacher, teacher is that fact? Because <laughs> you can, because you're creating a discussion. I'm not questioning their, their, their ability. I'm because I'm, kids fear. And that at this time is the same thing. Um, so when I look back, I don't think it's a stupid thought. I think it was deemed to be, you're just a kid. You're just a thick kid. So you were saying before that your dad's um, ex-military. Yeah. Did you, did you have the lifestyle where you were moving around a lot and it was quite difficult? Or did you have that base in terms of... I, I, I believe... Had brat or... I was, I, well, I was put up for adoption. So it was all kept secret. And I was put up for adoption and we're still investigating all the stories now. Um, but my English parents were just amazing. The, the, they kept it a secret. They didn't tell me my dad was in the SAS till I was 18. Okay. Um, as you knew then, that we had big issues with terrorism on our own land. And imagine them finding out where one of the SAS's own kids live because he's all sporty. I was kept and I was told from the age of 18 not to say anything. So it was... I wasn't moved around. I was amazing upbringing. Just cannot. My my mother, she was an amazing woman. She even ran a children's boys' home in Eastnall. Um, my mother was even on This Is Your Life back in in the the sixties. Wow. So um, I believe the reason why I'm such a I believe I'm a caring person and somebody who wants to help others is because one because of her because I've been adopted, and two because I found out that my dad was in the same situation when he was in the SAS. He was. Um, sending money back to help single parent children or parents and stuff like that in Fiji. Amazing. Amazing. So how, how did it make you feel? How, that's something else that obviously at 18, something else there that you're dealing with, you've, where you've had a really challenging... There you are, those shoulders. Those shoulders. Thing. They said, 
it, it was one of the phrases I have is that this is why it's so big because I've had to take a lot of weight on my shoulders as a kid. Expectation, conformity. And it, and it is, it's still now. I'm, I don't go to the gym, I don't train with the kids. I don't train, I just inspire them to, to get fit and be active. Um, but I work on their mental health for their fear of failure, their fear of expectation, their fear of being judged by everybody out there. And that's because of my experiences. But then outside, well, so we're inside within that is my own fear of failure, my own judgment, social media, etc. Do you still have that fear? Yeah, I do. Even now, nerves, fight my own battles. I have to fight my own battles before I fight anybody else's. But I seem to, the biggest judgment I had about five weeks ago was my counsellor. And she said to me, and she's a girl mate that I've known for many years, and she's in that, involved in that industry. She said, are you strong enough for her to take on everybody else's weight at the moment? And through, through the tears, I turned around and said, uh, well, who else is going to help them? And, and I believe that's, that erases the stigma around that for them. But if I can have one smile, I don't care about anything else. 100%. I, I will get that through. And, and do you know what resonates with me, what you've just said there, is the fact that you almost put other people first. Mm. But at the same time, you get so much from putting a smile on their face that it helps you with your mental health. It, the, the biggest issue I have at the moment is um, I do so much voluntary work and I'm struggling, not struggling, I'm keeping up my charity, I'm trying to finish the filming off, my relationship's destroyed, yeah, and I've had all that mental health to deal with. That when I'm not busy, I spiral. I, if, if, you, if, I, if I have two clients and then they... Call them clients, but they're people I've known since I was young. They all, they all come to me and said, but you're Danny. You're the guy who played everything. You're the guy who taught how teachers have to be good at what they do. So why would I want to go to the gym and be judged? Why would I want to go and stand in front of a mirror and be stared at by something I don't want to look at? So they were like, we'll come to you. But when they cancel, then I struggle you every to, day. Do you want to talk a little bit about that in the background and what you do to try and help people? And Because obviously the listeners, will, you, you sort of alluded to a little bit of acting that you're doing and we'll talk about that in a bit. But from day to day where you talk about helping your friends and patients and, and clients and whatever else. I've got six nurses, three police officers, 12 overweight obese. They are morbid obese. They would be the vulnerables. Um, young couple of young children that suffer from bullying. Uh, depression, um, anxiety for their weight, a um, couple of servicemen, and uh, people who fought their own challenges. Um, it's so we've been doing that. It was just come from somebody saying, Not personal training. I'm like, mm, I've trained the trainers, and they said, But we have get confident again and so they nicknamed me Gok Dan <laughs> all about the confidence so um and, and that's what it is the biggest confidence is because none of these people go in the gym I've got 39 people not one will go in the gym not just because of COVID because they feel fear judged being judged obese uh uh just just everything from obesity to depression anxiety before they're going in there one girl's in a rower she will not go near a gym why? And she would not go. She was like, "I'm not going there anywhere." That they want me to pay that, and they want me to. I can't. I can't do it. I've got to look after my mum. So she's then fearing that she's going to catch something, pass on to her mother. So and, and I have them, and I act. We 
do activities, anything from nine in the morning to quarter past seven at night. Um, I, I, make, I make it around them. I take the mick out of David Lloyd for the DL. So Daniel Lingieri, I said, for a tenner a week, you can get as many sessions as you want in with me. But if you don't make the free session, you're paying for it. And, that, and I get it, we had, we've had 14 today. But that's 14 smiles. 100%. The, the tagline is, there's no mirrors, no selfies, just smiles. Like an average Joe sort of thing. And um, I had the PTSD soldier in and travels from Birmingham to see me. Um, he was from Birmingham before when I was living in Manchester. And I had a mental health issue with the Royal Air Force lad. And they've travelled to come see me and they actually stay and help me with the other people. Wow. And, and they're finding their feet of, do you know what, they can share it. They can sit there with an overweight lad and laugh, giggling. He's doing... SAQ lad is giggling because he's having fun. I've got a young lad doing the battle ropes at the age of 11. Looks like a mini Jason Leonard. But do you know what? He's smiling. He's smiling constantly. And then you've got the old ones. So the old ones are actually becoming leaders and inspiration for the young ones. But the young ones, I honestly think if there's nothing for them, it's not about the obesity, it's that judgment. They become mental health issues later on. And um, the nurses are amazing. Five nurses, two had never even met each other, and they work in the same department. But they all knew me from 20 years, 30 years ago as a kid. So like, oh, go see Danny. And I never, uh, uh, never advertised. So we worked with them. Um, I set five, 10 minutes before, five, 10 minutes at the end, give them achievable targets, sit and listen to their problems, um, give them the best advice I can, and, and try and understand that. Raise, raise, raise your fear of failure. I, te I teach them to fear failure because, sorry, not to fear failure so they can face it, so they can have the confidence to it. And it's, I think it's like six levels of mental health I'm dealing with. And as I said, when I'm not with them, then I'm, I struggle myself massively. Yeah. So do you, when you say about failure, it's, it's, I, my, my impression of failure is it's actually good to fail because you learn more about yourself and you learn more how to overcome situations and become that stronger person. But people are so scared because you alluded to like social media and impressions and walking into a gym and, and you alluded to the mirror situation. I, I, my honest opinion is if somebody's looking in front of a mirror, they're looking at a slight ripple. So they've got insecurities about themselves because they're doing that everybody's got their own battles, but it's just how you portray that and how you see that. And I almost try and flip it on its side and the fear of failure almost drives you on to inspire you to become. You take, you take the, the letter, the loss, the letter L and turn it into a lesson. But take your losses and your fears and turn them into a lesson. It's the biggest thing. And I talk to them. So I always say to them, um, for the women, I've done it for like 10, eight, 10 years now. Um, for the women, it's a big thing. Uh, the stigma and that's mental health which is the obesity issue because they get judged women are the worst for it because they get judged but i've managed to see they find that there's more men now looking good abs this arms chest day women's didn't do that it came from men so i always say to them uh, a woman should be judged on her head and her heart not a shape and a size and and we work we come out there be be motivated be driven be uh, be inspired most of all be you be yourself and giving them and, and and it's a huge thing at the moment where I, i'm able to share my challenges and my battles with them 
because they had known, well, hang on, this exterior that we see is also on the same level as them. And, and they become my counsellors. Sharing is caring. Massively. Yeah, Massively. Yeah. I mean, the one question I want to ask is, I think we had a show a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about uh, bullying uh, with, uh, with a previous guest. And we sort of were chatting about actually how much it can affect people. I think obviously with your background, obviously I got bullied at school. Uh, and obviously with some of your clients, the bullying, like the stem of the, some of the issues possibly. That's, I, I honestly think so. I, I wrote, I've written, a, it's not an article, it's a journal. And um, it's called Getting On Side, My Side. And then there's a, the tagline saying, because you're all about conformity, you always have to get on side with people, using a rugby term, but in life. Yeah. And then in the brackets, it's 47 years of challenges. So I, I'll put, put something out to you. So two years ago, a boy had posted, somebody posted in there, oh, so sad for this lad dying. He was found in there, homeless guy, druggy, blah, blah, blah. And they were, oh, what a lovely guy. And I read it, and it was my school bully. So I answered it. And I got ripped into for answering. I said, this guy did this. But little did they know, I'd already written about him a year before, without even, just no names mentioned. Nobody's mentioned in this book, this article I'm writing, or whatever you call it, journal. And he was talked about, and they were like, oh, you're evil. I was like, no, I don't agree with death. I'm sad about that. But if he was so lovely, why did anybody not take him in during Christmas? And they were like, uh, and do you know what happened? 62 comments popped up saying, I remember him. He did this, 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 this. So then I wrote about what he did to me for two years at school. So I'm the only black kid at school, even though we're white parents. This kid waited for me out of classes, like a TV. It was like a TV series. He followed me, year above me. Um, we used to have the temporary buildings near the huts, the temp tea hut sort of things. When the tennis ball would go underneath it, I'd climb underneath, get the tennis ball. The one day, I've written about this, I'm climbing, I've got the ball as I turn round, through that two, three foot gap, I can see skinny trousered leggings, terry towel in socks, slip on shoes, Docs Martins, laces, and fags. And as I put my hand through to get out, big Dr. Martin boot trod on my hand into the gravel floor. And I got up, they're spitting on me and sticking fag butts on me. This is the lad. Um, a little curly hair, a little gollywog, called everything you could think of. And I remember getting up and kicked down, don't get up, ripped my coat, spat on me, um, blacky sambos, all that. Um, I didn't cry. I just didn't know what to do. Um, and it's those days, it was, it was seen as playground banter wasn't it hmm. so um what they didn't know is i was pretty good at judo so i kept that hidden because you were always told as a child 10 11 do not use this in public um and i used to have i was still big to leave school at 20 past three 10 minutes before the bell because when he was expelled two years later so i had two years of him all right. When I was expect when he he would wait at the school bell for me to be out, so I had to leave. I was high school sprinter, so I was quick. Yeah. I had to get on that bus and wait for everybody else to get there. He saw me. He forced open the shutter doors, came in, punched, kicked me, spat in my face, pushed the driver in his chair. Wasn't even a big lad, but for two years he did it, and. 
we had all those issues and I didn't retaliate, I just took it. And then one day I did retaliate. And if you can imagine the opening scene from Star Wars with Darth Vader picking up that kid by his throat, <laughs> I guess he gets dragged into the headmaster's office. Me, yeah. not him. You should be you should be more mature. You should be you should you know you're not supposed I'm like, well, what else do I do? I'm shaking. I've got fag burns, spat, bag had been stolen, boots have been nicked, constantly spat at. But I wasn't I was at a good school. Mm. Just he was a bad person. So this guy died. So I wrote about all this and those 50, 60 comments came back were all in support of me telling people what he'd done to them. I'd created because it was like, oh my God, Danny Badham spoke, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it carried on. And, and I said, look, death, I don't want death on anybody. But people like that, you know where they're so angry. People were turning around and saying, whatever age it is, bullying is not acceptable. So those challenges I had to face then, being number one at sport, I was great, but I never won anything. Is in the end of year, I was I was the one who could who could have got better, could have done better. Yeah. I got that certificate. I got that, and and I believe that probably was part of part and parcel of where my mental health came from. Yeah. From can I ask you a question? Obviously, he's now passed away, but. If through everything you've done and, and where you are, if if hypothetically this this bloke turned up to your class and said, "Danny, I want to say sorry," what would you do? Probably be me and welcome him and say, "I have to forgive, not forgive. I have to just forget it because my life's moved on. I'm a better person than that. I'd probably destroy him if I I'd probably be ended up in prison. Why should I be for hitting one person?" Do you know what? So, and I, I'm so glad that wasn't teed up. Um, no, 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 no. It's a big thing. And, and um, I was speaking to my counselor today and she was just like, you just need to not, we don't like to use the word move on, but you just need to take the next step. We don't move on. We don't say move on. You can't forget stuff. But I just looked at that being a, a period of time that it was, I've learned. And, and what they put me through has enabled me to help others. Um, one of the phrases I learned off Youth Fan of Essays, and I played rugby before, was, why not me? They would say, why him? Well, why not me? It's a great phrase, and it is, why not me? Why? Because I can actually help others. Yeah. Although it's my own periods of time, I do struggle, um, because I've given up so much for everybody else. I'm that stupid idiot that gives his last pound and last, and then end up struggling myself for months. Because that's the way I live. I honestly believe that's down to my caring British mothers, my adopted parents, who were amazing caring for me about everybody else first yeah and and i would i would have opened up um two of the people that i actually got with my group are ones who got beaten up by him they talk they talk openly about it but we are better than that we're better than that individually individually um and as i said though death is not great but why didn't anybody put a roof over his head when he needed it? if he's so great and wonderful why did you not invite him home during that cold period of that christmas yeah, 100%. And to be honest, we could talk more and more and more about, about situations like that. And But Robbie, great question about bullying and things. And cheers, Danny, for that insight. Um, let's just sort of allude to a little bit more. And, and I know you were talking um, off air about your challenges and your contemplation with almost your battles against suicide and, and the thought of taking your own life. And I mean, can we just go into a little bit about that and how you overcome things and you talk about the fact that you've spoken to your counsellor this week 
because mental health issues are evolving all the time and they're always ongoing and people need to realize that it's not a case of getting fixed but it's a case of becoming in a better place so you can identify your own triggers to overcome them so i got in trouble the other week where they were like it's mental health week blah 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 i said it's not about one day or one week it's about one life and i kicked off i said why are you all mentioning it now be kind i i, I know the hairdresser the makeup artist who's best friends with um, Carolyn Flack. She's now on the watch list, as they say, because she's just why why her friend had never told her, mm. her one of her best friends. When you're in acting and in the, in the industry, you become attached to certain people, and that isn't the management or that you become attached to people that spend 24 hours a day with you, your hair, your makeup. And this girl's just devastated. Her own life spiraled out. She's she's now looking for attention herself, feeling that she needs to feel good about herself I mean, judged, which I believe it's the stigma of mental health through social media. So um, looking back on various things. So I've written something again, like a journal, just to put it, I've called it four letters, but you know, like a fairy tale storybook, they always start off with a one letter that's colored in and that each letter somewhere in my little story, spells out h-e-l-p alp four letters but it's four letters that have been written during struggles so um two thousand and seven lost my mum two thousand five lost my mum year later um investment guy made all these promises i used my car as collateral we're in, we're in a good place. No, we're not. He decides to top wind up his business up north, disappears. First thing that's collateral is my car. Gone. So, okay, start again. So I'm, I came up from Dubai, from coaching and uh, playing in the sevens, losing in the final, find myself in a good place to door the locks and the doors have been changed my house and i stood there and knock what's going on what's going on cars missing to drive the other car and she'd changed the locks hid in the car and then phones the police to say that i'm a threat to the family i stood in my flip-flops and my baggy shorts and the hoodie, just losing in the final in Dubai. Um, the police came. I phoned up my family, who are coppers. Police were like, what? And I said, and they were like, so where's all your money, your investment? And I went, you stood on it. Well, she says you're a threat to the family. And I had nowhere. No money, no nothing. And it starts to rain. And they said, right, okay. They spoke to my family, who are coppers. At the time, my, my relatives, Fijian relatives and close family friends. So I just stood on the path and just went, what can you do now? And they went, okay, nothing. You'll see I'm DBS, I'm not well, CRB checked. But they were like, well, you have to come with us. I went, well, where do I go? Well, it's not our problem. We'll find you somewhere later. But you don't. You're in a working class environment of the north. Um, and it just started spiraling. I had to go knock on somebody that I knew from sports, stay at their house. 
So you're going on four or five months into that situation of sleeping rough, sleeping at friends' houses, fear and everything, not knowing what to do, where to go. My phone contract had been cancelled, so it was on page again. So minutes and options were different. You've gone from having a £3,000 sports car, nice house, girlfriend you loved, kids, nothing. Couldn't even get a job at a school because my DBS was still being put through to the new school. So for six months, I'm having to go to Mr. Sporty, Mr. Harlequin, Mr. Rugby Star, Mr. Buck, having to go to the job centre where people are cashing in their checks and going straight across to the pub back in those days. Yeah, and just going, and then having to go. I slept in the churchyard, in a, in a, in a church thing, 100 metres from my house. Sometimes she'd be asleep and I'd break into the garage and go sleep inside the garage on the floor. What do I do? Fear of getting arrested. So anyway, one night it's raining and I'm pleading with her to just let me in. I just don't, my parents are dead. My little brother and I aren't talking in Worcester, minimal credit. And I'm walking down the street and I get a text from a lad saying, I've just seen you. I'll come and get you. And he put me up. And this is the first time it all happened and I was just in a horrible place. So he put me up at his house, young couple, spare room, got me back on my feet. And then as in a relationship, and it's hard because it's either work or relationship that destroys men more than anything else. And I got a text through, very vindictive text, as men fear that, beep, beep. And you see the, the name of the person and you're just shaking. There's no picture messages back then. Yeah, no iPhones. You had camera phones, but you didn't get a very good camera. And I just collapsed, batting collapse of what I read. Uh, cried, neighbour was, neighbour, my, my, my house, my mate had put me up with, onto bed. Um, I just remember crying. And then I thought, I'll go for a walk. Um, my, my first letter was a text saying, look, I don't know what to do. Why are you doing this? You know, we're looking for help. We're looking for us. We're not pleading, but you end up pleading. Um, and it, it resonates with me all the time through all this, it, that I was saying, hi, mate, you okay? And I was like, what? Are you okay? Do you want to come over here? Where are you from? I was like, oh, well, I said, I'm staying up there. I don't know what the address is. I ended up walking onto the train tracks at Oldham. And how I was, they were like, how I hadn't been hit by anything. I just thought I'd follow the tracks because I was in such a depression day. And you, you don't think of it going to be quick. You just, just walk. You don't, I honestly don't think people stand there to, I think people just, for that minute, just have a, there's no, remember your brain has a safety mechanism. As soon as you doubt, jumping off a two foot brick. It, as soon as that doubt goes in, that's the safety mechanism. And I believe that safety mechanism shuts down when your brain is full of everything else. So you, I'm found walking on the train tracks in order towards Rochdale. That was the first one. Um, and it's, it scares the, the living daylights out of me. Um, I'm in Brighton, just after the Rugby League World Cup. It'd been a tough one because everything I tried to do with the World Cup wasn't going well. They weren't listening to me and I told them what the weather was like in the North and they weren't preparing. Um, and got some sponsors in and blah 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 so I moved down to Brighton to get a job coaching and doing route and 
life had been better again, so got back with the missus, as a lot of people, men do. Um, got that text again. Um, and I thought, I need to stay here, can't do anything. Uh, three or four weeks in, I, I just spiralled out. Um, and I found myself on Brighton, on the beach, in the rain and the gravel, with a bag of Coke and a bottle of vodka. And I've never done drugs. And I don't drink like that. And it was just straight. And I just bought the bottle. But I, I condone drugs anyway. But I was just like... And I've written a book about that. And it just broke me that I'd even let myself get into those situations. Um, and I just found it as an easy way out. But do you know what pulled me back from that edge regularly? How the kids... It wasn't about my family. It was how the kids that I've worked with all those years would be devastated mm. because I'm showing I'm showing them a way out. Yeah, it matters as as much as it is hard. What sort of example would I set for taking my life? In so that was letter number two. So I'll jump to letter number four. Again, filming, everything's going amazing. And we're in Cape Town. We're in Kenya first. I'm helping kids out. And my emotional barriers are already dropped. I'm, the, it was quite funny because they're going, you're not Ross Kemp. We're getting, this is trouble. We need to get out of here. And we're up in the refugee camps and stuff. And I get a signal. And it's a text again. Again. What's why? Why are you just? I keep saying, why? Why are you doing this? This is the only way I can get got at. I've got my chink in my armor is in there, with a lot of people. Yeah, the exterior is my armor. The chink in the armor is up here. Simple text, word, picture, uh, environment that's poisonous. It's toxic. We got the kids to go up to Table Mountain. Yeah, I didn't go up because two days before I was still quiet at the, the event and helping kids out and I'm spending time on my own, can't get through to home, don't know where I stand, feel empty. I feel that it's, I get frustrated because I'm trying to help thousands of kids and a simple heart and love is, is not in there. For the first time ever, I didn't want to be there. So I didn't go up on the hill because two days before, I'd actually thought, these kids are going to go up. Perfect time to disappear and jump off. And I stood there, and I was getting shouted at, why are you not coming? I, like, I just can't come. I've got things to do. And I sat in my room in the apartment, cried, tried hard to get through, and, and I was nearly going to take an Uber back up to Table Mountain to go and just do it. But I could pretend I'd fallen. I could pretend I'd slipped. But what fear, my biggest fear was that I'd actually planned it all. Planned it all, right, that's it, it's gonna happen. And, and how stupid is this? My charity, get a lot of recognition. Headlines, a lot of recognition, lots of headlines. Um, my son, be well looked after by my little brother. All that shit, all that shit. I didn't think about once about myself, I just thought, maybe be a better place for them. And it broke me. It just broke me. That I'd even 
confronted an issue over racism with my mate who's white and his wife's white because she turned around and called the gardener boy in front of me. And I was like, what did you just say? And, and, and I was so on edge that I became, um, I was looking for conflict, but I didn't want conflict, if that makes sense, because I was, I needed to have something else to argue or take it out on. And to this day, I haven't spoken to my mate since. He goes, why are you not talking? I said, well, the wife said, boy, it's a derogatory term for a, a black person who's below you. And he's a man and he just cuts your grass. Just call him a gardener. And his wife threatened to fill me in at a barbecue with the family. But her, her, his, his wife's mother's from Mauritius, so she's mixed. And I said, it's a bit hard coming from you. Oh, but we called them boy. I went, just... So I, I, I was just... My whole life was on edge. And that was the fourth letter. that I thought, right, I've got four now. And that's what we called it, four letters. And I'm looking how to publish it and looking how to, is the best way to share those moments over 19 years. And what's frightening is... Those 19 years have all been with one person. And that one person had been cheated on by a, a long-term partner and kid's dad. And a lot of people still believe that I picked up the rebound issue and the, the aggression and the anger and the anxiety. And, and, and like now, she's got the house, the car, everything. I was like, I'll put your stuff in storage. This is now during, well, I can't go anywhere. I can't go and collect it. I mean, what's that? We're, it's in lockdown. They're back onto. They're they're about to go back into lockdown up north anyway. So it's we need to get your stuff, and I'm getting constantly pecked at. And and the only way I'm fighting it at the moment is doing what I'm doing with other people and talking to you. So those those challenges, and I, I, it is smoke and mirrors. You're I, you look at me. Yeah yeah nah nah something's in there that still isn't right, not ready, can't have a relationship with anybody, don't want a relationship with anybody, but you do, because you want to just feel loved and you want to be to talk to. But what's happened, this group I've created has been amazing, because everyone has challenges. I feel like it's a, we jokingly call it Jeremy Carr, it's the green room, because everyone's got problems, and I'm not Jezza, I'm better than Jezza. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, but there's more teeth in the, in the people we talk to. Um, but no, it's it, it's it's my place. It's my place of being helped because they talk to me. Um, one of my girls, uh, I said to her, "Right, let's get aggressive. Let's have a bit of fun." She broke down, and I thought, "What's going on?" And she was like, she was sexually abused by her husband regularly, and I was like, I just thought she was struggling with her weight. And again, I'm looking at shape. We're going to get active. We're going to be passionate. We're going to be confident in what we do. And again, I learned something else. And she gave me a massive hug and kiss. She said, no man would cuddle me like you've cuddled me. Thank you. So, and I've known them since they were 12 when they came to school. They're the big lad who, Alan, who I have got his, was 27 stone when he met me four weeks ago, five weeks ago. He's now 25 stone, lost six inches off his belly, two inches off his neck and the confidence to do and be active, to fight this fear of being judged, to fight COVID, to fight blood pressure. His sisters are the young ones who've got skinny bums. Then they look, they, look, they call them my toffee apple twins, because they're twins, because they look like toffee apples. And it's hilarious, and they love it, and they giggle. And I said, but it's me. And they went, and I cuddled them, and they went, no man could put their arms around me, thank you. 
thank you for everything I did the group tonight but that's what helps me 100% you know what um if we've been going on a little bit now and I sort of said that we wouldn't take much more than 40 minutes and we're just over that um sorry sorry, sorry. no no no, don't say sorry because both of us are just absolutely gripped and I hope the listeners listening to this and watching this back um are gripped as well and Danny I could we could talk to you forever but just just before we do sort of wrap things up I'm just intrigued to know obviously you've alluded to some coping strategies about how you deal with things and and writing things down and can you just talk a little bit about any advice you've got for other people I know you've alluded to some of the acting that you've got going on as well and if you I don't know if you can sort of give us any spoilers about some of the bits and pieces you've got in that world but just give people advice about if they're suffering if you've got the kids at school that are suffering the bullying you've got people that are contemplating sort of their expectations because they're the sportsman and not necessarily so um successful academic academia wise just any advice for any of these people all going up through the through through their lives really up to the point the the biggest the biggest fear is conformity there's no bullying without conformity there's no anxiety without conformity no depression you are expected you're seen as lower you're seen as weak you're you fear a lot so the be fearless thing is all about them to stand tall to feel that no nobody's going to bring death we're not in a country that can bring death we're a country that allows people to contemplate it because the, the the judgment we get on us is massively is to do with how we look for other people we look we behave we're rich we're poor we're black we're white we get judged so badly in our country um that we fear we're not a lot of these when, when you see a lot of the brothers as they say taking their lives it's down to conformity it's that fear of failure massively so what i try to say look we've got to walk tall we've really got to walk tall fear don't fear it trust me it will not the only thing that will beat ourselves is ourselves. they can't you, you need to eradicate any negativity around you you sit and say could be my best mate for years but he might say something because they have something to say about you and you you fear you fear that massively that that is a big trigger switch to me so i I massively believe that you've got to eradicate any negativity around you you've got to take it away and you've got to keep going forward first principle of most sports is go forward and you have to walk forward you have to walk Four down seven, stand up eight. That's how it is. And you've got to look at that in life. Four down seven times. You know, one of the biggest phrases, I can fall down on my back, but I know how to get up. I can do the simple things 150% better. And that is get up off the floor and go again. That's how I've been doing it. I've been there. So I know, as I said to you, the best people to pull you out of the shadows and the darkness is yourself with people who have been there. If you have a, 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 an individual that can give you advice, it's good to listen. But I honestly believe people that have been there are the best ones to help you pull yourself out of it and give you the advice. Like the biggest thing I criticise at the moment, if a 30-year-old turned around and said he's a life coach, I'm going to end up slapping him. <laughs> because he's, how, how is, we, we deal with debt, we look at statistics, we look at social media, we look at papers, and we judge ourselves on that. Oh, I could do that. No, you don't. Just be yourself. 
and that's what I try to work in at work with people about beating it yeah we can run alongside it or we can get in front of it yeah 100% mate I just want to say you're a massive inspiration to me I mean I've been I want to apologize for being so quiet because there's a lot of subjects you brought up tonight have really moved me I think there's some stuff I can relate to um, but I want to say you're a massive inspiration and I want you to keep fighting and keep going on doing your incredible work you're an incredible person so thank you so much for joining us today thank you so much and, and thank you. Sorry. Just, to, just to add to that I, I, I'm genuinely just inspired by you as well and, and it's just amazing to hear your story and I, to be honest I could talk to you forever just to hear what you've got and I'll definitely buy a book when you when you when you plug it well, um, I, you can I'll get involved with you for that um, that's hundred percent, and and just sort of building these relations up, it's it's all about sharing. And I said sharing is caring before, and and, and I think there's so much that we can take away from you, and hopefully vice versa. Um, it's just about helping each other, and just if anybody's ever having a bad day, just pick up the phone and speak to somebody because yeah, it's it's it, as I said, it's not about one week or one day; it's one life. And and um, and I like it. Yeah, just hearing out, check out for a brother, but there there's it's the biggest challenge they face of all, first of all, isn't about the weather, it's picking up that phone. So the accessible, accessibilities has to be increased. And, and it's, it's, we're only, I believe, we're only aware of it now, more of it now, because of social media. Yeah. Because yeah. it's also the threat. Social media produces a threat. Yeah? It's, it's, it's good and it's very bad. Remember when it first came out, how many relationships were... How many divorces were there? Mm. The conformity. If you've got a different age group family, it's conformity. Yeah. But yeah. social media is a threat. 100%. 100%. Uh, Danny, you're a legend. Thank you so Sorry, much. No, um, we'll definitely get you on in the future because uh, we didn't even get a chance to speak about some of the projects you've got going on. But um, I know we sort of spoke off air about some of the ideas that you've got. And we'll definitely get you on when things start happening with that to, to plug. And any way we can help you, then please, please get in touch. I think there's, I think there's a, a big way um, for this and uh, social media is the threat, but it also can also cure, like we said, just one, if we can help just one. 100%. It's the most, it's the most important thing. We never judge it. I always say never judge it on the amount of people that follow you or turn up to training. Judge it on indivi and an individual's progression. Yeah. And that's the story. And it's, it's, it's a big thing with me. And People say, "Do you do a boot camp?" Well, I'm not going to be able to help one person. I'm on. It's, it's just that. So I just do stuff that so I can give each individual something that's going to take away. Go. I just did this today, and that's the first so beat fair. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Fantastic, um, ladies and gents. I hope um, you enjoyed that show. I mean, I'll listen to that back and probably again and again and again. And, and Danny, I'm really looking forward to speaking to you again in the future. Um, thanks so much. Uh, Robbie, as always, great to see you. Danny, once again, thank you so much. Um, you've been listening to the Pinnacle Mindset talk show and we will see you again in the future. Thanks again. Goodbye for now. Bye. Bye.